0: I realized that the impact that I was making alone really wasn't enough, right? So then your business grows because you need more team members, more coaches, and other people helping you to make a wider impact. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was... It's a moment to change my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again.
1: The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. And on this week's show, I am joined by Justin Romare, the founder of Consistency Breeds Growth Nutrition, It's no secret that I've had a ton of nutrition coaches on the podcast. The cool thing is none of them say the same thing. They all have different approaches to nutrition, and they all have their unique styles that work. What we're doing in America right now is not working. We can clearly see that. If you go inside the local CrossFit gym, the one thing you see is people always working hard in the gym. There's nobody who really slacks off in the gym. There's a lot of people who do extra work, but there's not a lot of people who are getting the results that they deserve. And that's what Justin saw when he was first introduced to CrossFit. He founded his company and just went from there. So I think you guys are going to take a bunch away from this one. I did. And uh, let's kick it over there now. I was just looking at the CrossFit pyramid yesterday. I was at a CrossFit competition. My girlfriend was competing and they, they don't tell, I feel like they don't tell you that, but the base of the pyramid is nutrition. And a lot of people don't know that you think you just go to the gym and, uh, that's kind of it. But the base, the whole, the whole premise of what Greg Glassman was trying to do 10, 15 years ago was nutrition first. And then all the working out, all the extra stuff comes after that.
0: Yeah, man. And, um, CrossFit in and of itself, the CrossFit methodology is a a beautiful, beautiful thing when executed correctly and checking your ego at the door. Unfortunately, they're not very good, in my personal opinion, on the nutrition side of things of providing a sustainable solution for people. Yeah, in theory, like, yeah, we can all eat paleo. That would be great, right? But the reality is that that's not sustainable for most people. And when we talk about nutrition, we have to talk about sustainability. So even though it is undoubtedly the base of, uh, the pyramid for overall health, which is what CrossFit's after universally, they don't really have a good, uh, global solution and holistic solution for everyone. Uh, so it's kind of, um, they, they tried, right. And it's cool. Uh, but they don't have the ultimate solution, which is why I kind of think a lot of people just jump to that second tier of the CrossFit pyramid uh, and not really talk much about the nutrition side um, and just go right into the the exercise components of of what it takes to optimize yourself as a CrossFit person or or athlete.
1: Yeah, and it's just so personal too. Like there, there's so many different factors: stress levels, hormones, all of those things come into play. So. You can't really have just one diet for for everybody and at work. I mean, if it was like that then everybody would be in really good shape, everyone would have a six-pack and you probably would be out of a job, but luckily you're not and uh you can really dive deep with individuals that way.
0: Yeah, that's the reality, right? Is that the reason that so many different diets exist is because everyone is different in their own way, right? Like when you hear someone talk about the ketogenic diet and that it works so great for them and they continue to follow it. They've been doing it for 10 years and it's awesome. Right. And then you have someone on the exact opposite end talking about following a high carbohydrate diet, uh, such as veganism, let's say, right. Or a pescatarian based diet, which are typically hot, lower in proteins or harder to find proteins and higher in carbohydrates. And they're They're doing amazing. They feel great, the best they've ever felt. Their performance is through the roof and they're losing body fat. Right. The reason that those two different diets are nowhere near synergistic to each other, but work in tandem for the entire uh, population in different ways to help people get the goals that they deserve is because we are inherently very different. And it's why customized approaches uh, are such a need right now especially post pandemic to help people reach some of the goals that they are really have been working for their whole life right um so that that's where i feel we're at right now we're realizing that everything needs to be or can be more customizable for for people that are really serious about uh you know reaching the goals that they want
1: yeah and we've never really had the in history like we've never had a grocery store where you can get uh, fruit, like you can get whatever you want year round, anytime you want to walk into a store. And some people don't even have access to that now, but like in America and we see how well that's working out with like a 40% obesity rate. So, so yeah, I mean, I'd love to just dive into some background, uh, before we get into the nutrition stuff, how, how you got here, maybe education and, and what made you really dive deep on nutrition?
0: Yeah. So I, grew up always around playing some sort of sports, right? I played baseball until I was in college. I played baseball in college at a D1 university. Uh, And after college ended, right, I focused primarily on academics, even in college. But even when that was done, I I needed something that was physical, that was also competitive in a way, to fuel some sort of competitive fire, Uh, In me, right, because from playing college baseball, primarily, obviously being a team sport, um, you're around a good group of guys, and you're competing with another group of guys. Right. Uh, And that was entirely lost after I graduated college. I went to Loyola University, uh, studied chemistry there, got a degree um, and then went on to graduate school and I went on to graduate school in Connecticut. I went to Yale University. I got my master's degree there. And while I was there, I was literally at a total loss of, like, what I was going to do, how I was going to stay in shape, um, and how I was going to stay interactive in sports. So I started CrossFit. Uh, one of my best buddies, Taylor DiMaggio, was doing it at a time. He's a multi-time regional athlete uh, in the South. He convinced me. I went. I was hooked, as most people typically are when they when they walk into a CrossFit gym. Um, and... Honestly, when I walked in there and I started doing CrossFit, I thought that that was going to be the solution for me to look and feel the way that I wanted, to feel confident in myself, in my clothes. Uh, And after like four or five months, I was like, this isn't the solution, right? There's got to be something more. And when I looked around, I was like, also, this isn't the solution for any of the other people in this gym. So CrossFit alone, although is a great training tool, it typically isn't the only thing that's going to help you get to where you want, right? And that's when I realized like, hey, I can't really outwork a bad diet uh, and I need to start focusing on the nutrition side. And as I tried a variety of different things, um, I found things that really worked best for me as a scientist. uh, I utilized my ability to take data. really understand it and then change different variables and parameters that allowed it to work best for me and that's when i came up finally with the intrinsic diet and my company consistency breeds growth that really helps people focus on on nutrition to uh to find sustainable solutions to reach their goals so that's sort of like my short story
1: (laughs) do you hate harvard or people who went to harvard
0: no, dude. Like I, I when I uh, when I graduated college and I was applying to graduate schools, I applied to like ten or twelve different schools. Um, I got into a lot of schools. I got into Berkeley and a bunch of schools on the West Coast. Um, I didn't get into Harvard or MIT, but I pretty much got in everywhere else. Um, but. There's actually a Yale-Harvard rivalry football game every year. So, like, we go to that, and that was awesome. But I didn't have, like, a connection to college sports while I was at Yale like I did when I was, like, in college back home. Like, I went to Loyola, right? But, like, obviously the big college team is LSU. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we hate Alabama, right? Yeah. Like, that's just the reality. But, like, it's not really that sort of rivalry for me. But to answer your question, no, like I never really had any bad interactions with anyone from any other Ivy League schools. Uh, It's kind of fun to poke, you know, poke at rivalries between Ivy Leagues and things, but it's not something uh, that uh, that concerns me or anything like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, That's funny. So what what were you doing academic wise with chemistry?
0: Yeah, so I actually got my master's degree in organic chemistry. I was uh, synthesizing a variety of small molecule therapeutics uh, through the field of total synthesis. Um, we worked on projects related to neurological disease as well as uh, HIV and AIDS, a number of other methodology pro- projects associated with trying to make those small molecules that could be eventually uh, you know, utilized as a treatment for some of those diseases and uh you know that's where like i seriously was surrounded by some of the smartest people in the world um understood like what it was going to take to learn things and become an expert and after i graduated there i started to utilize what i had learned to be able to understand specific concepts and become experts on actually implementing that on a neutral on the nutritional side um so that's that's sort of currently the the backstory behind my my scientific backstory, at least.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> the, <laughs> the science goes completely over my head, but uh, but yeah, it's it's cool, man. Was was there any like, I don't want to say animosity, but being in the academic field, is it like when you get into nutrition, kind of frowned upon? Like, you're you're doing nutrition coaching. Like, do people really understand what that means?
0: Yeah, I think people would understand what it means. I actually, when I was in graduate school, didn't tell anyone that I was doing it uh, because we're like really hardcore grinding in the lab, you know, um, like 90 plus hours a week, especially in my field. So we were there pretty much every day of the week. Um, So to sort of mention that I was also doing something else uh, unrelated, it wouldn't have sort of been <laughs> been been uh ideal for me as i was trying to you know get my master's degree at the time uh but yeah of, of course people definitely knew what it what it was it it is i think what sort of your you're mentioning here brings up uh it's sort of like a soft science or people consider it to be a soft science because everybody feels that they claim to know nutrition um but in reality the only thing that they know is typically what they've they've done food wise for themselves. They actually don't know what uh, the nutritional field, scientific consensus, and uh, scientific literature typically says on a multitude of people at one time to help, you know basically people reach the goals that they want through nutritional strategies and interventions. Right. So the fact that it's sort of a soft science is uh, because people eat food. They uh, claim to think that they know about nutrition. Right. Um, so that's why it's sort of labeled as that. But it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, the complexities around uh, nutrition right now are evolving extremely quickly um, and solutions are being developed research wise and otherwise. Um to help people understand what's sort of best uh, within the space.
1: Is that like, have you found that it's different for everybody? Like what's actually best nutrition wise, or is there, is there something that you think could be the answer to, to everybody's nutritional problems?
0: Everybody's going to have like their own niche as to what they do within trying to also be, as customizable as possible to what people's goals are, right? Um, When we talk about nutrition, we have to talk about sustainability. So what typically seems to be the most sustainable for people is having a healthy enough food behavior and relationship to enjoy all of the food and food products that the world offers without overeating on those foods and understanding how to portion them out to hit the calories that are conducive to their goals, their body weight, their height, their age. Um, That's the most sustainable thing that I think most nutrition coaches can say on a very basic level. Um, What sustainability looks like is very different for a lot of people, but typically what happens we know what's unsustainable right and typically that is the demonization and um elimination of a variety of food or food groups and you want to try to avoid that as much as possible so one way to do that is to incorporate more of those foods and understand how to portion them out correctly so that you can enjoy them and still reach the goals that you want Uh, and then obviously taking it a step further, being able to do that over the long term, so so that you can keep the goals that you work really hard for. So if there was one thing that I've seen, it's finding sustainability through the incorporation of all the foods that you enjoy.
1: Yeah. Essentially not pinning yourself down to one thing or trying as best you can to not eliminate certain things.
0: Yeah, exactly right. That that's the most sustainable thing that I found over the last like eight years coaching crossfit clients and athletes for sure
1: yeah i think and you mentioned like the keto diet or um you know just anything anything people are always trying for the the quickest thing possible like how can i lose the most amount of weight possible and a lot of times it's like are you having that conversation with people that it? hey it, this isn't this this is a long-term solution this isn't something that we're going to work together for three months and you're going to lose 60 pounds
0: right Yeah, man. I mean, if you like dive into an ocean and you go like 50 feet deep, um, you got to swim 50 feet back up to get out. You know what I mean? So people that think that they can dive 50 feet, um, let's say gain 50 pounds. Right. Let's make that analogy and think that they're going to somehow uh, only have to swim 20 feet back up to reach the goals that they want or are sadly mistaken. And it's a common fault amongst the American population to want to sort of rush things and be very impatient. Um, but they have to go back uh, the same way they came. Right. And that's the same the, the, it's the same thing with fat loss with anything else. It takes time to build the sustainable habits and lose weight at the right rate to allow you to make sure you don't have to do the process again.
1: You're mentioning goals a lot. What's that conversation look like with a, with a client? Maybe, you know, a lot of times we have these as it comes to nutrition, like we want a six pack or we want to, we want to really, um, take time off our friend time or whatever it is in the gym. Like we, we always have these goals that are tend to be numbers based or, or a certain look, but like, how do you, you talk to a new client and really get those actually like, Hey, what do we, what do we really want? Or is, is that goal even worth it?
0: Right. Yeah. So in our assessment phase, we really leave it very open to the client or athlete because we want to see independent of what we think is possible, what our expectations are, what they really feel like they want to achieve. Right. And we we make goals for a lot of different reasons. Um, but the first thing to understand is after we get uh, client intake or questionnaire form back is to immediately figure out what the purpose behind their goal is and what's their why behind that goal. So let's take the scale, for example. A lot of people have the goal of losing fat, right? They want fat loss, maybe to achieve a six pack, maybe to feel more confident in their own skin or in their clothes, maybe to look like they crossfit, whatever it is, right? And the number that they come up with, let's say it's a fat loss of 20 pounds, they want to lose 20 pounds of body fat. That number is entirely made up, right? Someone else could come to them and say, hey, I think you need to lose 15 pounds. Someone else could come to them and say, hey, I think you honestly need to lose 25 pounds. The number 20 pounds that they came up with is totally made up by them, right? There's nothing out there that typically told them that that's the amount of weight that they need to lose. Um, We know that charts from our doctors, uh, based on BMI are completely and utterly useless. So the number that, w- that your doctor would come up based on a BMI chart is ridiculous also. So the number's not coming from there. Where's the number coming from? This made up number that you have, right? It's coming from purpose, the purpose behind wanting to lose body fat in general. What is that purpose? Is it because you don't feel comfortable around your partner at your current body weight and with the levels of, or your body fat percentage you are now, and you want to feel sexier in the bedroom. Is it because when you go out to your, with your friends, um, or on the beach, you have to wear a different type of bathing suit than you typically would like to, right? Is it because you see everyone in your CrossFit gym, getting pull-ups with ease and now moving, transitioning over to rope climbs and muscle ups, and you're still stuck and you know, your body weight is what's really preventing you from improving overall gymnastic skill and capacity, right? Like what is the purpose behind this fictitious number that you've attached to yourself? And understanding that purpose is so critical and having clients and athletes say them out loud, manifest them is so critical because without that purpose, the sustainable habits we build are just short lived, right? They're just, once we reach the 20 pounds and there was no purpose behind this made up number, we don't have anything to latch on to, to make sure that we keep those goals, right? So when I talk about goals and expectations and things like that with clients, if there's no purpose behind that goal for them, it's not truly their goal.
1: Do you find that people change a lot when you actually have that one-on-one conversation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or the time frame can also change. So we'll give the expectation of someone like, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds in eight weeks. Um, and we're like, okay, this is what it's going to take to do that. And we still don't recommend it, but this is what it's going to take. Um, and they're like, actually, no, I'd rather like, <laughs> keep all my libido. I'd rather feel energized for the majority of the day. All these things that um, you wouldn't get if you decided to lose weight so rapidly and you'd like to continue to get stronger at the gym and some of these other things, you'd rather take your weight loss journey a little bit slower um, than to put forth what it's going to take to lose that amount of weight so quickly. So it's not that the goal, the goal itself may not change, um, but the specific parameter like that made up number may instead be 20 pounds, may just be, I want to look and feel like I CrossFit, right? And if that's 20 pounds, that's great. If that's 15 pounds, that's great. Um, But when you put intent and purpose behind it, uh, it makes it a lot more meaningful for people and it helps people define what it is that they're truly trying to do. And it's more likely that they achieve it also, which is kind of the coolest thing in all of it.
1: What do you think will change the culture in CrossFit that instead of always doing more, like you said that you were doing CrossFit for a while and you saw people in your gym who you think that you just need to do more CrossFit. Maybe it worked in the beginning, you lost some weight or you got more shredded, you started to get pull-ups better. But how do we change that to not I'm just going to stay at the gym for two or three hours instead of doing the one wad, but how do we change that to, Hey, maybe we need to fix our nutrition. Maybe we need to look there first.
0: Good education and good coaching. And that starts with box owners. Um, I see so many box owners out there. I've been to maybe a hundred CrossFit gyms at this point. So many box owners that just like are living the same day over and over again for five years. That's what they do. The same clients stroll in or the same type of clients stroll in. They go through the motions. They program the exact same workout year after year after year doing the same sort of thing and don't actually build enough of a relationship with the client to understand what their actual purpose is like me and you just talked about. And if you don't understand your client's purpose, um, you can't help them get to where they want and they're going to continue to struggle pay you for your, their membership, thinking CrossFit's the solution. When in actuality, the fitness shovels working just fine. It's the nutrition shovel. That's not working at all and really limiting them. Um, and it's actually quite sad to see so many clients and athletes working so hard, um, putting their body through what they think it needs to go through doing multiple CrossFit workouts a day, uh, when, you know as a coach and several coaches right it's not just me it's so many coaches out there in programs have the solution for them and they just don't have the educational tools or support system around them to give them the knowledge that they need to get to where they want so it's got to start with most things with good coaching and education uh, calling people out um, on stuff that's incorrect with the nutrition community the scientific community on Instagram all that stuff uh if you know something to not be true and you're an expert on it you have to you have to move forward and and make sure people understand especially if it's on your own platform so that people do get access to the correct information
1: yeah there i mean there's a lot of people out on Instagram who just have six packs and who are trying to sell something like 100% hey, wait, and dude that's I mean, it would be pretty easy. Like if if you just got shredded and and you ate chicken and rice and broccoli and you could tell people this is all you need to do to look like me, like why not? But it, I mean, it is good that we we do have experts to call them out and to – who really do have a a deep knowledge of, of nutrition and that this stuff just doesn't work for everybody.
0: Yep. Yeah, I agree with you.
1: Did you experiment with macros in the past or how did you kind of shift away from from not having clients count macros?
0: Yeah, so I am very... Uh, my life's a delicate balance, man. Like I got two pups, I got a wife, I got things that I like to do and I don't want to waste time doing things that I don't want to do, right? I want to be as optimal as possible, just the way that I've always worked let's say and most people do too right when i started trying to figure out a solution for myself when i walked into a crossfit gym of course the typical whole 30 challenges and paleo the wrong challenges and a variety of things were coming up right and also if it fits your macros IIFYM was very popular at the time and still very much is um so i started experimenting with this Right. As a scientist, I I enjoy the numbers and it's kind of cool to like start to understand what your food intake is on a quantitative level of some sorts. Right. As opposed to qualitative, which is what most of the name diets are like paleo. It's not really an amount. So there's no quantity associated with it. It's all qualitative. What foods can you have and cannot have. Right. Same thing with a variety of other name diets that we know and know that don't work. So, the science behind if it fits your macros is sound, right? Find a set of macros that works for you. Uh, you can get this online or you can do it through a coach and start to understand your food intake. And if it's more calories out than in, you can lose weight, right? And hopefully, body fat if your macros are tinkered correctly. And when I started doing this for a number of weeks, I realized that there's no way that I'm going to be able to do this the rest of my life. There's no way I'm going to be able to track all the grams of food that I'm eating on the week, during the weekend, for even the next year, right? So as I told you, I'm trying to find out what's optimal, right? I have so many things in my life that I'm doing, as most of us do, right? We have kids, we have families. Um, and I realized that there is no way that I'm going to be able to do this sustainably. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier in a podcast, I said, when we talk about nutrition, we have to talk about sustainability, right? So when I started my company, uh, consistency breeds growth, I focused on helping people find solutions of sustainability that did not involve tracking macros for that reason. And when I started this company eight years ago, and I said that macros weren't sustainable, people laughed at me. Nobody's laughing now, right? Or not nearly as many people are laughing now uh, because they realized that tracking macros isn't really any better on the sustainability side than any of the diets we demonize today, like paleo and Whole30 and vegan and keto, Right? Because let's face it, all of those different diets can get you to your goal, right? The paleo, paleo challenge or just the paleo diet in general, it's a pretty sound diet. It gets you away from the standard American diet. You're eating more whole foods. Uh, some, of, some foods uh, that are eliminated are inflammatory for some individuals, which also helps with inflammation, helps them feel better, helps their workouts improve. The paleo diet overall, it's a pretty sound system. The problem is that it's not sustainable. Right? Macro is the same thing, right? Not that it takes away the foods that you're able to choose from. You can choose all the foods that you want. It's really cool that you can have that flexibility. But the amount of time that it takes to track every gram of food forever isn't sustainable either. So, my personal opinion on this is that those two diets, although very different approaches, still have the same problem. They're not sustainable long-term, right? There are some really great coaches out there that help people track macros, right? Hundreds, probably even thousands in the CrossFit space. There are even some really, really successful coaches that help people track macros to those coaches. Always. My question is, are you helping people with an exit strategy to quit tracking macros eventually once they reach their goal? And typically, the really good coaches are doing that. Track macros and find a sustainable solution afterwards that doesn't involve the app being being an extension of yourself, the MyFitnessPal being an extension of yourself. That's what we need to eliminate and get away from. And to do that, you have to build some subset of skills around food and understanding what your portions and other things are going to look like to maintain your goal. Right. And if you're constantly tracking the app, that's not really possible. Um, unless you have a really good coach teaching you how to do that. So that's sort of my thoughts on macros and like how it's a really sound scientific approach. I just don't think it's a sustainable approach to track macros forever. So there needs to be other solutions for people.
1: So do you think it is valuable to, to do it for some people though. Like is tracking macros something that you would recommend to a certain certain person?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think look, and that goes for all diets, um even like the whole 30 challenge at your gym. Like that's good to even go through once. Once. Not every single time yeah. your gym holds one every year because you still are at the same spot that you were when they ran the first whole 30 challenge. Right? Run, doing the whole 30 challenge once, eliminating some foods, alcohols, those things are good, right? may not be sustainable for you, but you can learn a lot from doing that, right? Paleo, you can learn a lot from doing that, right? Uh, same thing with macros. That's even better. You can learn a lot more calculating macros than you typically can with paleo and whole 30. Everybody's on this sort of different journey, right? So, Yes. Absolutely, track macros and learn all the skills that it sort of allows you to build while being a disconnection and extension of the app. But then you need to find some sort of sustainable solution once you reach your goals, right? Um, So, I do recommend for people that haven't tracked macros before and have never started to understand what the amount of food in terms of the calorie they're taking in to follow something. That allows them to start to understand that. And there are a lot of different ways to do that, but macros is one of them. And build the skills and understand what it is you're actually eating. And then you can move to more towards other developed systems um, that will allow for sustainability.
1: Yeah, my, my problem when I don't actually track macros is that I typically under eat if I'm, if I'm tracking, I at least know. And yeah, there's some points where I'm going to go a day without tracking. And I work with, um, Emily Wagner, who I know was a former coach of yours. And, and she's kind of preached that when we're more towards a competition, you need to be more dialed in. But once you're out of that competition prep mode, it's like, Hey, you need to take those on days. And you need to, if you're, if if you're not going to track, like you don't need to track vegetables all the time, maybe like a week out. Yeah. It's important to, to make sure you're not getting 10 extra grams of carbs that you don't know you're getting, but most of the time you don't need that. But I just have a problem like in general, overall, not eating enough protein, not eating, eating enough carbs. If I don't, if I don't pay attention to it.
0: Right. Yeah. And if you start to build skills around portion sizes rather than just have relying on the app to do it for you, you can start to be better on track when you're not tracking. And you bring up Emily. Emily um, is an example of one of those good coaches, right? She's an example of one of those coaches that uh, help you understand like, hey, we need to track macros right now because we have a goal in mind. And uh, to maintain, these are some of the parameters and protocols I want you to use to maintain your goal. And these are some tricks for being able to stay on target without tracking and, uh, like not tracking vegetables or, Hey, just focus on a protein goal. Right. It takes a lot of the stress off a lot of the anxiety and things that come with tracking macros for some individuals. And then when it's time for a competition or maybe something similar for someone, depending on their goals, they can, uh, hit tracking their macros and doing that with sort of full force. Instead of this sort of half lazy, like track half the day and not or track during the week and not during the weekends. Um, But still, eventually, there needs to be a long term exit strategy for people without tracking as well.
1: Yeah, one of the things I notice I, I've just had a ton of people on the podcast with in regards to nutrition, just because I think I think it's so important and everyone brings their unique spin on it. Like you don't track macros, other coaches do, but I think everybody has has something valuable. But what I've learned is that the nutrition part is important. What you put in your body is super important. When you put in your body, that's all good. But a lot of this stuff has nothing to do with food. Like it, it's your relationships. It's your how you're looking at yourself in the mirror. How you're looking at the food that you're eating. Is it nutritious or do you think, oh, this is a good food or bad food? Like all that stuff plays such a big factor in it. Instead of just, hey, are you eating six grams of chicken or five grams? Or- not you wouldn't eat six grams of chicken, but six ounces, you know, like that stuff, that stuff really doesn't, doesn't matter as much as the, uh, the individuality and, and kind of what you're, what you're talking through on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. I mean, the one, the one part is like, like you said, the habits and people being able to just understand the educational side, which is kind of what we touched on earlier. And then there's also the psychological component of eating and helping people, um, understand what the emotional response is to food really is. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. Food is not just fuel. Fuel is so food is so much more than just fuel. It's, uh, you know, it's us getting together with our family on the holidays, right. Um, it's feeling comfortable and good. It's, uh, being able to, you know, enjoy a ball game, right. Like it's every, it's everything, it's all around us. Right. And we're constantly eating multiple times a day. And it's foolish to think that food is just sort of, um, you know, this sort of, uh, archaic, like, um, we're saber toothed tigers, like out there just trying to hunt, to stay alive. That's not the case for us. It's more complex and that complexity, uh, can make things difficult sometimes,
1: you know? Yeah, for sure. And I know uh, we talked beforehand that you're doing a lot of work with elite athletes as well. So I'm sure there's a lot of differences when it comes to somebody who's in the CrossFit games or fighting in the UFC rather than just a person who is 40 years old, maybe got a couple of kids and wants to lose some weight or wants to gain some weight, whatever it is. But is there a lot of differences that you see with those types of people?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So the approach for us is the same, finding that sustainability by not tracking macros, right? Um, And macros, like we already sort of mentioned, may not be sustainable long-term for most people, if not all people, right? Uh, And then also like the level of specificity that the app requires for you to hit 170 perfect grams of protein really isn't necessary, right? Like if we had 4.5 ounces versus four, like that's not what's keeping people from reaching their goals. Same thing, whether we had a banana versus an orange, that's not keeping people from reaching their goals. Right. Um, So why are we tracking with such level of specificity and eliminating people's freedom um, and having to take up so much time to track all their grams of food. So when we took this approach, we wanted something that could encompass the everyday CrossFitter like me and most of us. And then we wanted something for athletes too. And what we realized is that when we did that, that uh, when we developed our intrinsic diet system, um, that it worked really great for athletes because they also were really busy. Like our games athletes now that we are working with, uh, it's hard enough to even get a text back from these guys to like understand what their day of nutrition looks like right? Because they're training literally all day. You just trust that they're getting the fuel and things that they need. And that when something comes up and they have questions about how to get that fuel in better, uh, let you know. And that's typically how it works with a lot of the athletes, Saxon Panchik, for example, and Sam Quant. We work with both of those guys and you'd be surprised. There's a lot of similarities between regular sort of everyday weekend warriors and CrossFit and games athletes, but there are also some differences too. So for them, the goal is very different, right? They want to go to the CrossFit games. They want a podium at the CrossFit games. Whereas like the 40 year old mom just wants to lose 10 to 15 pounds of body fat. Right. But where they, um, where they're sort of, they blend is that they need to find a sustainable way to build towards that goal or work towards that goal. So for athlete, that typically means building the habits to eat enough food and specifically enough carbohydrates. And for uh, the 40 year old uh, female that is a weekend warrior at a CrossFit gym, that typically means building sustainable habits around establishing a calorie deficit. Right? So even though the goal is very different, they actually are very similar in a lot, of different, a lot of ways. In terms of the actual how you work with the athletes, right, the, the educational tools that the athletes have are typically a couple steps ahead of the regular average Joe at a CrossFit gym. So they already have a pretty good understanding of protein, carbs, and fat, what they typically should be eating. And they need to optimize ways to get in more of those foods and then the right kinds of foods, as well as nutrient timing strategies and protocols as well, right? Whereas with someone that uh, is sort of wanting to lose 10 to 15 pounds and just attends a CrossFit gym four to five days a week, they may be struggling to uh, just understand food prep principles and getting in uh, what what is a good source of protein for them, right? And how to establish those portion sizes so that they're not eating too much, right? So those are some of the differences that I see, um, as well as similarities. The main thing that's different is that the goals are different. But everything underneath is can be very similar between the two.
1: Yeah, it kind of goes back to that pyramid. Like this the same thing with CrossFit. There's like a nutrition pyramid where, you know, what, what you're eating and how much of it is probably, you know, 80%. And the top 20% is what those elite athletes are going after. And you probably don't need to go after those 20%. You don't need to get, you know, a carbohydrate and protein drink five minutes after you just did a CrossFit workout if you're in the gym three or four days a week. But for those guys, like, that's the difference between, you know, a good week of training and a bad week of training. And you know how important that is leading into something like the CrossFit games or, you know, a big fight or something like that.
0: Yeah, two things for athletes that definitely seem to be um, important over or very different from that in the fact that they're important over like, uh, you know, just average CrossFitters like us that are looking to get a good workout is nutrient timing. So understanding the utilization um, and ingestion of carbohydrates, fats and proteins at the right times throughout the day. That's one thing. Um, competition day, nutrition and in training, which typically looks uh, very different from an average day. And then supplementation. Uh, Most of the people that we work with, they don't need much on the supplement side to reach the goals of fat loss or building muscle mass, whatever that might be. Whereas our games athletes will typically be on a multitude of different supplements that are all third party tested to help give them that top of that pyramid edge right? That 1%, because once you're in the 1%, the 1% matter. Um, so supplements become also inordinately helpful for, for, for helping some, you know, for getting these games athletes, uh, at basically an elite level and peaking at the right time for competition. So those are some obviously obvious, obvious differences as well, as well.
1: Who have you found that you liked working with better the, the elite athlete side, or do you like working with everyday people? You don't have to throw anyone under the bus, but, but what's, uh, what's that look like for you?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So it's all about impact for me. You know, as I mentioned, sort of in the beginning as to why we started this company at all was because we felt like, or at least I felt at the time that I could solve a problem that people were struggling with. So if I could solve a problem for Saxon being able to fuel properly for the CrossFit games, then I'm making an impact. Right. And I'm changing his life if we can get him on the podium next year, you know, and the same thing holds true for, um, you know, the 40 year old mom that's looking to lose like 15 to 20 pounds and feel as confident as she did when she graduated college, you know, um, so wherever I feel that we're making the most impact, that's where we're going to continue to focus on within the company. Um, me personally, I am the only one that takes care of some of our high-level athletes here at CBG. Um, definitely, they—it's—it's uh, it's a roller coaster. They're at these events and they perform really well. It's great, and when they feel like they're not at the top of their game um, it's all the way down you know so that sort of a lot of there's a lot of emotions uh, there and it's uh, it's fun to figure out solutions for those guys and gals to make sure that they're at the top so um, I know that maybe doesn't answer your question it's really about impact but I, enjoy, I really enjoy working with uh, with anyone that's involved in the sport of CrossFit, at any capacity. To be honest,
1: yeah, man, it's it's got to be tough though. Like, like how much are you you know? Nutrition plays a huge factor, especially in in multi-day events when you're doing 15, 15 workouts over the course of a week or a weekend. But like, you're not you're not the one out on the the competition platform, so I'm sure there there is a lot of that. Like hopefully this works and then you kind of just hold your breath and and if it goes really well then it's like that's awesome if it doesn't back to the drawing board and you kind of kind of have to make some changes
0: yeah and it's all multifactorial, you know i mean you learn stuff from different athlete athletes all the time about what works best for them on game day and you're constantly optimizing that I'd be foolish to say that I have the perfect game day strategy set out for Saxon at this point, or that I have the perfect game day nutrition strategy set out for Sam at this point. I don't, we're constantly figuring out as, as they do more competitions, what's going to be best to be able to fuel them appropriately, you know? Um, and to be honest, like you say that, like you're the nutrition coach, you've got a lot of weight on your shoulders, but dude, there are people with a lot more weight on their shoulders than me during these competitions So, yeah, I feel it heavily, of course, but I kind of let these guys, I give them all the knowledge and things that I feel that they need to make really good decisions to refuel and recover. And I just let them go play, you know, let them, let them go perform. Uh, But you got to remember these guys got programming coaches. Now they have sponsors that are depending on them to do really well Uh, spouses, family members, parents. So to be at the the, just the nutrition level, it's one of the safer sort of spaces, you know, um, but it, the pressure is totally fine, but I just want to highlight that, that, you know, yeah, I feel, uh, very, I feel super important to be, uh, a part of of all of the sponsored athletes that we have in their journey to the CrossFit games and to do well there. But man, they got a whole team behind them helping them do this. Uh, and it's just cool to be a part of it.
1: Yeah. And uh, I talked about with Jess last week that, you, you know the these athletes there's so much that goes into it and i i see the same thing in weightlifting like you think you see one person lift the bar at the olympics and it's like they had they had a coach they had a nutrition coach they have somebody running their social media there's so, there's so much that you don't get to see 100% it's pre- dude there's it's so pretty much. cool though i mean you talked you talked about you were at the rogue invitational and like the these events are getting pretty crazy with the the prize money and just how how well they're put on like this is at this point it's a legit sport F- four or five years ago you didn't really know if it was gonna be be that thing and now it's you know 50 60 000 people are watching every event on on youtube and everything like that so it's pretty cool
0: Dude, the sport's been validated. Uh, I've been wanting it to be validated for a really long time so that, um, you know, people that and sponsors that have the money to get behind it can support these athletes because they're professional athletes, man. They um, they work just as hard as anybody in the MLB or the NFL to get where they want. And uh, people enjoy watching. So the money's there. I'm glad it's going uh, to them. They deserve it. And yeah looking forward to seeing a lot more in person events, man. They've been pretty electric this past year.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I w- I wanted to ask like what what kind of brought you to this like this service mindset where you're always like chasing after you know there's there's something that you do with uh Foster Fit that we can certainly dive into, but it just seems like you're you're kind of chasing after helping people. Like what what kind of brought that on?
0: Yeah, man. So I'm an entrepreneur, dude, so the entrepreneurial mindset is that they want to, at least my mindset is that I want to make an impact and through problems that people have, right, sort of what we talked about before, right, and I started doing that through obviously getting paid for the services that I provide, right. And as long as you're making the impact and changing people's lives, you should get paid for the services that you do. Right. If that's what you desire. And I realized that the impact that I was making alone really wasn't enough. Right. So then your business grows because you need more team members, more coaches and other people helping you to make a wider impact. Right. And the online space has really changed the game for allowing entrepreneurs to make this sort of impact, right? Not make money, which of course is happening, right? Make more money, but to make more of an impact. So when I hired more coaches, I realized I can make more of an impact through them if I coach them on how to make the impact in the right ways through nutrition coaching, right? Um, Inherently there are people out there, that also just been dealt cards that not only aren't your own cards, but that you'll never even understand, you know? And that's where I feel that the foster community is, uh, especially for kids. So I've had the idea for a really long time, about four or five years, where I wanted to make an impact in foster care. I, I myself am adopted. Uh, and it's always been something super special to me. And uh, dude, I've been given everything. Like I made the most of my life. Don't get me wrong, and i've i' I've, I've, I am where I am because of of me, and I've had a lot of help along the way. um but a lot of people don't have that. Um, so I wanted to come back and show the community, uh, the foster community um, that they can enjoy some of the things that I also enjoy and that I know the majority of us enjoy enjoy. And one of those things is CrossFit. So through foster fit, um, we're providing foster youth and teens with CrossFit gym memberships. And that gives them, it's sort of three, three arms to the business. It's a nurturing and loving community, right? At every CrossFit gym, we know what, um, the coaches and the people there are capable of to offering relationships and love And that's one thing that foster kids don't typically have. It's also tackling the rising obesity rates in kids in the United States specifically, uh, and even higher as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then the third arm is normalcy and consistency. Um, A lot of the foster kids will change homes anywhere from seven to 10 times. And they don't have, and that includes schools so they don't have any normalcy and consistency in our life. And we're hoping that as an organization, uh, Foster Fit, we're able to provide youth with CrossFit gym membership so that even if they switch locations, they can just immediately attend and be awarded a scholarship through us to, uh, con- to go to a CrossFit gym. Right. And then continue to do that, even if they move again, so that they always have that one thing that they can kind of bring with them. Um, so I started my entrepreneurial journey really as a nutrition coach, but obviously I'm doing a lot of other things now for the purpose of impact. That's it. Nothing more, you know?
1: That's awesome, man. I love it. And you, you hear, um, you know, being an entrepreneur is like, you have you kind of have to be born with that. Like you, you've always had that where you're like, all right, I see a problem. I'm going to try to fix it. So I think it it takes a special person to be able to do that, that, you know, a lot of us want, we just want solutions. Like we, we have a problem. Okay. somebody's going to eventually make something that fixes that problem, but there needs to be people who, who actually step up and, and solve them.
0: Yeah. I think the, the, there's entrepreneurs too, you know, people within a business that do really great work solving problems, you know, um, I think another big skill for entrepreneurship is leadership, you know, being able to understand and empathize with people uh, that you employ or work with to otherwise help them continue to make the impact over a long period of time, right? And uh, entrepreneurs, people that work within a business um, that are helping solve problems typically don't have those leadership aspects, but they're really good still at solving problems and understanding the vision that the entrepreneur has, right? and both of those things, not one is not better than the other. Um, they need to work, uh, well together, um, to get the mission sort of done right. Uh, and make the impact. So figuring out early on in life, which one of those two that you are realistically, which one of those two you are so that you can make the impact either through someone else or through your own business is, um, it's very important. I recommend people find out which one of those two they are so that they can, not to make the money that they want to make, but to be the person that they were born to be.
1: Yeah. And and like you said, both of them, they're simultaneous. Like You need both of those types of people. You need the person who's able to say, like, fuck it, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And you need... The person who's also, you know, wants the safety and be employed by somebody else, but is able to, to still do the stuff that they need to get done. So I think that's important, man. Well, uh, where can people go to find you? I I know we talked, you know, about nutrition, but, but got pretty deep there. So where can people go to support you and, and, uh, what you're doing?
0: Yeah, dude. Um, so we're on Instagram at CBG underscore online underscore nutrition. Um, we also have a Facebook page that's linked on there. That's where you're going to get a lot of really great content guides. We do free nutrition challenges. They're like little mini challenges to get people on track, live videos from me talking about specific nutrition topics, um, all for, for CrossFitters. So, uh, that's where you can primarily find us. You can obviously go to consistencybreedsgrowth.com or contact us at consistencybreedsgrowth.gmail.com. Um, and I'm sure I can give you all the links um, so that people can connect with me. Just shoot me a DM. And then for FosterFit, you can go to uh, fosterfit.org if you're looking to, to make a donation to help contribute to get some of these foster kids into, uh, into CrossFit gyms and make an impact.
1: Awesome, man. I'll definitely get all that stuff linked up in the show notes. Well, thanks for coming on, Justin. This was fun.
0: Dude, awesome, dude. Great to talk to you. Um, would love to be back on at some point. But hope your audience enjoys, and uh, have a good rest of the day, man. Thank you.
1: Once again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I really appreciate everybody who made it this far in the show. If you want to support Justin, all of his links will be in the show notes. And if you want to support the podcast a little bit more, you can shout us out on Instagram. Let people know that you listened, and you can tag at Better Than Yesterday Pod. If you guys are ever interested in hearing somebody on the podcast or you want to come on yourself, just let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram, and we'll see if we're a good fit. And you can also go to richmondweightlifting.com. If you need wrist wraps, you can use the code BTY10, and you'll get 10% off. Seriously, the best wrist wraps ever invented. Um, If you want to send me a message and learn a little bit more about that, I'd be happy to talk to you as well. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. Appreciate all of you, and I'll talk to you next week.